Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Necromaniacs Horror Podcast. It's Necro Thursday, and I'm here with Jeff Kashid. How's it going, Jeff? Good, man. How you doing? Hanging in there, man. It's, uh, you know, mid-January. Uh, year's off to a pretty good start, I think, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. So far, so good. Wish I could say the same. <laughs> this year's kind of started off on... Uh... On the wrong foot, it's uh, we're about to have a freeze here in Austin. Apparently, it's it's about thirty five degrees right now, thirty degrees right now, and everyone's all in a panic. The roads are going to freeze. You have to like uh, keep your faucets on so the water doesn't freeze and the pipes don't burst. And um, you know, just just a few other negative things. But I'm trying to I'm trying to stay afloat. It's definitely stressful, man. Jeez. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I forget, you know, when you live in California, uh, like, you know, you, these things just don't happen where it's like, you know, 75 degrees year round usually. Uh, you you kind of get used to that and like moving here. This will be my second winter here. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forget. It actually gets cold here. Yeah, I kind of like the winters in Texas, though. It's like this kind of weird, like, like you're in like a Sergio Leone, like desolate, like cold desolation, like in the desert. It's kind of cool. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah I, I I dig it, man. I I mean, well, not when it's this cold, but uh, I do like the winters here are in, in comparison to growing up on the East Coast. It's it's nothing where you guys are. I mean, I was just talking to my parents and there's just some sort of storm or something in Connecticut and they got like, you know, inches of rain and snow or I don't know. And I'm like, fuck that. I never want to deal with that again. <laughs> Have you uh, checked anything out recently that was of note? <laughs> yeah, a few things, actually. Um, you know, I usually start off the new year with things I missed in the previous year, things I wanted to get to but didn't. And there's a lot in 2023 I didn't get to. Uh, not a horror movie. I'll start off with a couple non-horror movies. I finally saw Barbie. Did you see it? Nah, dude, I can't bring myself to watch that. I mean, I know everyone <laughs> says it's good, but I just cannot – I can't do it, dude. I got to say, man, for a billion-dollar huge mainstream hit, it was pretty weird, like a much weirder movie than I expected it to be. Um, Didn't love it, but uh, it wasn't that bad, you know? I heard, you know, I've, I've read the things, this man-hating uh, film, uh, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I definitely don't think it's that. Uh, but um, it, it was better than I expected, weirder than I expected. It's worth checking out. I mean, but if you're, you know, because I'm like, you know, I was like, yeah, that's not my thing, a Barbie movie. And I ended up watching it and was like, yeah, it's it's okay. So it's fine. That, that's that's the final word. It's fine. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, as, some of you, as some of you guys know, I'm going to be I'm going to be heading out in uh, on the road next month. So maybe that's something I watch on my like iPad or something like that. You know? Yeah, I could see tombs just hanging out watching Barbie together. I can see that. Um, one of our listeners mentioned a movie I called in and talking about the holdovers and that was on my list yeah. of things to check out. And I finally did. And, uh, sorry, I forgot the listener's name, but yeah, he's absolutely correct. It's, uh, one of the best movies of the year, uh, probably will be in my top three of, of, of last year. It's, uh, it's fantastic, man. Paul Giamatti, really a uh, great actor. Alexander Payne is a wonderful director uh i loved the uh, nebraska election the descendants and this is this might be his best movie 
Yeah, that's something that's on my radar too. <laughs> um, as I was mentioning to you before we started recording, that the last like been like an incredibly stressful time, uh, mostly mm. work related stress that's been kind of invading my personal time, and uh, that's coming to an end though soon. In case you guys Good. are worried about me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah so i've been very uh yeah i've been like kind of like the the uh viewing has been very specific as to what i've been watching but the holdovers holdovers is definitely something that's on my radar it's uh it's great man you're i think you're really gonna like it and on the horror front uh i saw this movie pop up on a few top 10 lists our uh our fellow horseman put it on his hell house llc origins yeah uh yep. Yeah, not not good. I didn't like it. <laughs> I caught that one as well. Uh, you know, it it would not be on my top ten list by any stretch. You know, it was like it yeah. was. I watched it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like I have kind of forgotten like uh, the whole lore. I saw the original Hell House LLC when it came out, and it surprised me. It was like this is uh, it's pretty pretty good, pretty scary. You know, at that point, found footage was a little played out, and I thought they found like they they made it work. It was uh it it it, it, it was scary and uh, effective, and uh, I think I saw both sequels, and I remember being really unimpressed. But you know, so by the time I watched this one, this uh, prequel, I guess it is, um, I'd forgotten most of the lore. I wasn't really sure. Uh, I wasn't you know the callbacks, the Easter eggs. I wasn't really too familiar with that but it just didn't work man like found footage stuff or, or mockumentaries they really you have to believe these people aren't acting that they're real i mean you know they're not but it has to be believable and it just wasn't believable at all it, it felt really stilted and awkward and and just very acted i don't know what you thought yeah i i um the first Hell House I thought was cool. And then, yeah, yeah. I think like the sequels, it just sort of everything it was a decreasing return on investment in that film for sure. Yeah. Sometimes like that, that whatever you're working with, it only, the lightning only strikes once, you know, like there was one Blair Witch Project movie and that, that, that worked and that was the first one. And then everyone else they tried to do just, you know, it just doesn't work. And I think it's sort of the same thing with, with, with Hell House. You had one good movie stretched out into four movies. And um, the other horror thing I wanted to mention, Mike, we have to do an episode about this movie. Uh, maybe all of us need to be on it. Uh, leave the World Behind. Yes. Yeah. That, well, I'll, t I'll talk about that a little bit more, but I 100% agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm going to save my thoughts for the, our eventual episode, but uh, I watched that, and I think uh, if you're listening, you should check it. Uh, it's worth seeing. I'm not saying I liked it or, or or didn't like it, but it's worth seeing. That's all I'll say. Yeah, no, totally. What about you, man? What have you been checking out? Uh, quite a bit, actually. Um, oh. You know, it's... Uh, Mostly in the last few days, I've been watching a lot of shit. Uh, let's see. The first thing I recently saw: Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, which is a mm. prequel to uh, Pet Pet Cemetery. Prequel to the and, um, remake, right? Well, I guess it doesn't really fit into the lore neatly. There's a lot of license taken with the actual mm. story, which is one of the big gripes I have about it. 
you know what I mean? Mm. So I think this is like a direct to streaming kind of thing. I think so. I don't yeah. know if it had a theatrical release or not. Um, it wasn't, let's put it this way. It was decent. You know, there's okay. definitely some stuff in there that was like, you know, I didn't, I didn't respond very well to, but the story, like the vibe of the movie just had this very tense, like bleak, like vibe to it, which I definitely appreciated. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. I think um, that's the nicest thing I've heard anyone say about it so far. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's decent. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> okay. Like, do I recommend it? Maybe. You know, like if you're if it's like a you know late night and you got nothing to do and, and you, just, you can't go to sleep, maybe put it on. That's that's and hey, dude, for that. David Duchovny. I mean, you can't really go wrong with him. If it's bad, he's still fun to watch. Yeah, I love David Duchovny, man. He's great, you know. Me too, man. Molder. Um, Yeah, there, there's like, there was a vibe in that movie, which I kind of dug, you know, but I, I'm not going to say it was a good film, but I, I would yeah, check I it you. out. And it was, it was, yeah. Um, Rewatched The Clove Hitch Killer, which gets better oh. with each viewing, obviously. Hell yeah. That was part of my October uh, horror movie a day watch. And that came out of nowhere, what, like 2017, 18. Like, oh man, like, remember watching it. And uh, by the end, I was like, that was a thousand times better than I expected because I, you know, I expected kind of nothing from it at, at that point. Yeah. But man, such a great movie. I, I can't say enough good things about it, man. I mean, me and Mike did an episode on it a while back, right around the yeah. time it came out. And I, even then, but like, man, what a, intense like heavy ass movie and um you know people were all about that other film summer of 88 i think oh 84 um, yeah yeah it's summer of 84 like they both came out at the same time one's in the 80s this is, takes place some some point in the 90s and it's like mm -hmm. similar vibes everyone was all about the hype was for summer of 84 yeah but that movie i thought was like hell hell version of what the subject matter being discussed in both of those films very pale but totally agree Hitch, man dylan mcdermott kills it everyone's yep. acts great in that and it's just like very intense had like this certain bleakness to it at the end really really good yeah. film not dissimilar to what the movie we're gonna discuss you know where it really comes down to uh you know acting and and sort of like this intensity yeah yeah totally um Watch The Crow again, the fan favorite, The Crow. Mm. It's like a big movie. You know, How does it hold up? It's been a while since I've seen it. It's awesome, man. It's like one of our – me and Tina watched it together. It's like she recommended putting it on last night, and um, it was like uh, fun, great movie. I, I always – I mean, I love the comic book too, but the uh, the film I thought was cool. Very uh, 90s soundtrack. You know, there's like bands like Medicine, Helmet – you know, <laughs> the cure and the soundtrack the cure oh the cure song is awesome in that movie yeah yeah the cure you was know. still great at that point yeah totally so that was cool um oh yeah what we've been watching a lot of like uh true crime so there's this documentary called killer sally which um mm. was actually worth checking out it's on netflix it's about uh these bodybuilders you know the, the husband you know abuses the wife she murders him, that kind of thing. True oh, okay. Crime. Yeah. I love true crime. Do you listen to any true crime podcasts? I can't get that. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't catch me true crime podcasts, but I love mm. all about these docu-series though. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, so it hits a little bit different. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. And last but not least, under your recommendation, I checked out Leave the World Behind, and I definitely have a lot to say about that movie. You know, oh, awesome. Uh, yeah, definitely worthwhile, um, interesting movie. There's a lot of stuff. Definitely warrants a second and maybe even a third viewing before we talk about it. Completely agree. Yeah, a little long for, for multiple viewings, but uh, worth it, I think. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I I banged it out in one sitting, but if, maybe if I watch it again, I might break it up a little bit. But definitely cool. And, you know, excellent acting in that movie, too. Uh, you know, yeah, I felt differently, but the, the, the more I thought about the film, the more I thought, like, oh, I think I understand why it is the way it is. <laughs> like, why the acting is the way it is. Uh, and I read a few things about the, the movie, and the more I read about it, just the more, like, fascinating the whole thing becomes, you know? Yeah. I haven't read anything about it, but I just know that my, um, you know, once again, I don't know, how, I don't know what I would rate it, but I thought it was definitely a film to discuss, though. Absolutely, dude. I feel I feel the same way. It's kind of like when when you saw Skin of a Rank, and I was like, "How was it?" And you said, "I don't know, man. I, I you know, it's been a week, and I I don't know what I think of it. You know, it's one of those movies where like you know it might it might take you to come to the conclusion that you absolutely love it or you hate it. You know." Definitely, but it's not one of those down the middle movies at all. Like you're gonna you're gonna fall one, one way or the other with it, you know. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Glad you watched it though. Definitely, definitely. I mean, it was on my radar for sure, you know. But yeah, definitely. Um. So yeah, before before we get into the voicemails, let's uh let's shout everyone out. So um, the other horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse, the growing legion of horsemen shall I say. Yes. Kicking the week off, we've got Horrorwolf666, brought to you by Brandon Legion. Up next, and I hope he's uh, going to drop an episode soon. This this motherfucker's been on uh, vacation for a long time, man. He's doing Euro <laughs> style. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so, of course, I'm talking about Into the Necrosphere, mm -hmm. brought to you by Jackie Smith, um, which is like the, the top extreme music podcast in the world, in my opinion. Wednesday is Everything Went Black, which, you know, recently I had Cheyenne, another horseman, uh, on the mm -hmm. podcast to talk about his uh, his most recent album with Trivax. Thursday is Necro Thursday, which you're listening to right now. Necromaniacs brought to you by me, Jeff, and Mike Scandato. Friday is Spitball Media brought to you by Mike's brother, John Draper. Interesting how they have different last names. Yes, but at the same time, I just listened to an episode the other day, and I immediately knew who Mike's brother was just from the voice. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, totally, yeah. yeah there's no mistake in <laughs> that for sure. Yeah. Um, Saturday's a day off, um, or you're a football fan, right, Jeff? So uh, I am, yes. That would yes. be a bye uh, day for, for bye the week. Yes. Bye, yeah. bye yeah. week, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sunday... On the Lord's Day, Carl Hikara brings a soul Knox for all things dark, esoteric, and macabre. Carl and I are full swing into our collaboration, Darkness Weaves, where we explore the work of Carl Edward Wagner, a, an okay. author that we're hoping to introduce new readers to. I mean, unfortunately, Wagner passed away a number, you know, a long time ago, but his work lives on albeit in relative obscurity. So please try to seek out his work. It's great if you're into 
weird fiction, dark fantasy, like that sort of stuff. Um, and last but not least, of course, uh, Iblis Manifestations brought to you by Cheyenne, who was recently on Everything Went Black. So, as some of you know, we have a um, the Necrophone where you can leave voicemails telling us whatever. If you want to leave a recommendation for a movie, make commentary about some of the episodes, or just say hello, feel free to do that. Mm. That number is 908-913-0782. 908-913-0782. So definitely give us a shout. This week, we've got three callers, which is awesome. I love hearing yeah. from everybody. Me too. First up, yeah. First up, we got Bill from Santa Fe. Yeah, hi guys. This is Bill uh, in Santa Fe. Big fan of the show. Um, go way back. And uh, finally, worked out the nerve uh, to leave you guys a message. And uh, I got a couple of recommendations. One, the first one would be uh, Threads. Uh, this came out in the early '80s. It was kind of a nuclear holocaust. Uh, scare movie in the UK. It was also called The Night the Country Didn't Sleep. And uh, I find this movie to be beautifully bleak. It has a very uh, powerful third act, in my opinion. And uh, just highly recommend this one. And uh, my next um, recommendation is a little, um, maybe a little off the beaten path for you guys. But uh, it is Universal Soldier regeneration and uh this came out in i think uh the early aughts maybe around 2010 or so it is the uh, my opinion the last great directed dvd movie um it is beautifully filmed by peter hyams who uh, had a moment um or maybe a few moments back in the 80s had some real gems um it is directed by his son John Hyams, and uh, it just looks great, and it's very um, uh, it's very different than any of the other Universal Soldier movies. I've only seen, I think, the first one, but uh, it is, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. It's got Von Dom and Dolph Lundgren. Uh, Von Dom gives um, this may sound odd, but kind of a really interesting, layered, moody performance in this movie and uh, look forward to uh, hearing what you guys think about that. If you do check it out. Also uh, a movie you guys have probably seen that I'd love to hear you talk about a bit would be the hitcher, which is uh, um, one of those uh, gems of the the nineties. And I think my second favorite Rutger Hauer performance, but uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing the next show and uh, keep up the great work. And have a good one. Thanks. Thanks a lot for calling in, Bill. Threads has been <clears throat> a film <clears throat> that I've been wanting to watch for decades, believe it or not. And I just, you know, I, I don't know. It's, I'm almost like afraid to watch that movie based on all the stuff that um, that I hear about it, like how depressing and intense it is. But I, I know it's on Shutter, and I know it's in my future. 
my more immediate future, I think, because this this film has come up quite a bit recently. So have you seen this movie, Jeff? No, I haven't. But I was just going to say the same thing. It's this is I feel like it's like the fifth or sixth time it's come up. So I think it, it uh, definitely we needed we need to cover this movie for sure. because We definitely haven't talked about this film. And yeah, I don't think Mike's seen it either, actually. Oh, you know, I thought maybe he mentioned it on an episode that he finally watched. That could be mistaken. Could be mistaken. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, 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 my, I'm remembering Mike not seeing this film either. I'm okay, not, you're you're probably right. You'd know better than I would. Yeah, not necessarily, dude. You know, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I want to see this. Maybe we, maybe we need to do an episode on this for sure. Um, it's just you know one of those things where I'm just like, man, am I in the mood to be like this, like bummed because I heard that it's like a heavy ass movie. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, man. Like, when you know that that's coming, like, it kind of almost makes you not <laughs> in the mood to see it. Or, 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 well, whereas if you were just watching and didn't know anything about it and then it bummed you out, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a different thing. Knowing, going into it, knowing it's going to fucking make you depressed, it makes it kind of hard to watch. Yeah, because, I mean, everyone, I've, like, they, the uh, Evolution of Horror podcast talked about it, and, and everyone uh, was okay. like, this movie fucked me up. It was like, you know, it was like, a harrowing experience and i was like ah, i don't know but yeah i feel it's my duty it's our duty to watch this movie and talk about it so let's let's try to maybe knock that one out this year absolutely so what are your feelings on universal soldier um you know uh series i haven't seen regeneration uh, I haven't either. I think I saw the first Universal Soldier. I remember watching it with my girlfriend and her mom when I was 16 years old. Uh, and that's the last Universal Soldier experience I've had. I do remember a few years ago, actually probably quite a few years ago at this point, that one of the direct-to uh, video sequels was really, really good and got good reviews. So I'm imagining this is the one, that's probably the one uh, he's talking about. Yeah, I'll probably check this out because um, I like, you know, I like uh, Dolph Lundgren and and uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. When I see yeah, I mean, so I'll, I'll... sort of like grew up with those guys, you know, watching their uh, watching their stuff as like you know a nine year old. <laughs> the Hitcher is a film I've always loved. I, I I own a copy of that actually. It's a great movie. Oh man. It's it's a classic, man. Um, one of the, I, if you're a horror fan, I feel like the movie's definitely on your radar, and it's sort of a, a big one. But I, I don't know if it, if it ever moved past like the the you know hardcore horror genre fans. This isn't like really well known outside of that circle. And there's a remake, um, but uh, yeah, the original is so good, so bleak. One of the one of my favorites, actually. Me too, man. And it's like, um, you know, Rutger Hauer is great. <clears throat> just, yeah. Just him being in a movie is always a plus, you know. And um, Totally agree. And also, you know, just as it has that sort of moody, meditative, like like you and I both have traveled through that part of the country several, mm -hmm. many, many times over the years. And there's like, there's something about that part of the country that just has this very, this kind of bleak moodiness to it when you're traveling on those highways. And I always thought that was cool about this movie. Yeah, and like it seems so psychological. Where it's like after I saw it, I thought like this movie might have taken place in the main character's head. Like I wasn't completely sure. You know what I mean? Like it was so sure. um, just de deeply atmospheric and and uh, 
Oh, man, I love that movie. We 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 might want to consider uh, doing that one as well. I agree. I agree. I'd be down for that. Yeah. So uh, my up next we got Mike from Telford. Uh, good to yeah. hear him again. So here's Mike. yeah, man. Hello, Necro Hoods. It's Mike from Telford here. Just heard the first episode of the year. The cobweb was excellent. You guys are my Thursday companions. I appreciate it. Uh, started off the fucking year with the fucking flu or whatever this shit is that's going around here. So they kind of put us down last weekend. Me and, me and my lady both had it. So I hope you guys don't get a hold of that shit. Uh, we did watch the uh, Quatermass in the Pit BBC miniseries from the late 50s with Andre Morel and uh, Michael Ripper as a part in that, too. I love that guy. And it's, it's basically the same story that they made the movie about in the 60s, Quatermass in the Pit, but the, the miniseries was really cool. It's black and white. It's, it's you know, from the 50s, but it was fucking well worth well worth a watch. So if you guys have never checked that out, I think you would dig that for sure. And uh, other than that, man, I uh, hope you have a good run in that Pro Fanatica tour, Mike. That's that's going to be killer. And uh, if you're down in the Asheville, North Carolina area, stop in the Orbit DVD. been doing a lot of mail order from them. They carry a lot of secondhand shit. And uh, I've never been to the physical store, but that's where everything comes from that I've been ordering. So if you get a chance to check them out, man, I think it would be well, well worth your time. All right, brothers. Look look forward to next Thursday, and uh, hope everybody's doing well. Later. Happy New Year, Mike. Uh, I have not seen the Quatermass in the Pit uh, series, but I've seen the movie, and I've been wanting to see that series for years, dude. Have you checked any of that stuff out? I have not, man. I am woefully um, undereducated when it comes to that. It's awesome, man. It's like just like early, like Brit, you know, weird sci-fi stuff. It's awesome. Um, there's a mm. whole bunch of there's a few Quatermass films and the TV series yeah. came out in the late 50s and um, I have not seen it I own a copy of the movie which came out in the 60s mm. and um, yeah it's just it's you know it's like ancient aliens like uh, vaguely like Lovecraftian you know kind of stuff right you know people digging tunnels like that sort of stuff really cool yeah you know back in like 2012 or something like that i i or 11 i did like a horror movie a day on facebook and a couple people are like are you familiar with the core like were asked me about those the, the quarter mass series and it's like yeah no i'm not that familiar with it and um people were surprising like you know you're a horror guy you really gotta you really gotta get on that and here we are like 11 years later or whatever and i still haven't seen them yeah, I don't. I'm not sure if they're streaming anywhere. Um, I didn't check. I don't think they are. Their, like, yeah, but I have like you can get hard copies of these things pretty easily, except for except mm. for the series. Like, right after Mike called in with this, I went to see if I could either purchase it digitally or buy a Blu-ray of it. But um, all that stuff's uh, apparently it's no longer available. Um, oh man! I mean, you know, maybe yeah. So it's it's really. The movies you can find and you can order, but the um, the series is like obscure and hard to find. I was gonna do some Blu-ray shopping after we were done recording. Um, I'll take a look around, see what they do have, maybe. Yeah, no, totally. And uh, yeah, Mike, thanks a lot. <clears throat> we're looking forward to um, getting getting on the road with Pro Fanatica and uh, Nunslaughter. That should be a, a good run for us, I think. Uh, I checked to see how far Asheville was. <clears throat> excuse me 
the nearest place where town we're playing is Greensboro, which is, I think, like two hours away. So unfortunately, I don't think I'll be making it to Asheville to check out that video store. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, I lived in Asheville, and I was surprised to hear him talk about this. I was like, man, I don't remember this at all when I lived there. Maybe it came about after I left. Um, I only lived in Asheville for about I don't know, like a total of like eight or nine months. So I yeah, didn't I really get out to explore. Yeah, yeah, um, lovely, lovely town. Like, uh, very cool. I I really enjoyed living there a lot. Um, if I ever do get back there, I'm definitely checking that out though yeah Asheville's great man i i wish i'd been there i've, I've only been to Asheville like maybe three or four times maybe and um, yeah, it's not like a big tourist cool stop town yeah i mean you guys surprisingly because the town it's yeah we played there like three or four times like there's yeah, never on the played very there. first um yeah like on the real the very first tombs uh tour we played there like diy show um <clears throat> there was like a fest that happened there with like we played there with like uh like Kylesa and like Wino and you know people like mm, that. Right. And uh you know Zoroaster. I don't know if you remember that band. Oh sure, of course. Yeah. They seem like they were like, on like every two other for a while. Mm. Yeah, then and, and then maybe two other times we put we ran through there and haven't been back since. That's that's been like probably since maybe twenty seventeen is the last time I was there. Yeah, I don't think I've been there since 2004, five maybe. I mean, yeah, there was a cool like indie record store when I lived there, Green Eggs and Jam, which uh, is long gone now, I'm told. Um, and there was like the bigger sort of rock venue, like, you know, the Orange Peel where bands like Interpol would play. There just didn't seem to be like the yeah. right venue size for, for ISIS, you know, like someplace, like, I, I guess it was either like you play a record store or you play like a 2000 seat uh, venue which you know just didn't i guess quite work for us i remember talking to our booking agents and things like i think we can play Asheville. you know it'd be kind of fun to play a hometown show for me she's like yeah it's just yeah. just not a lot yeah that orange peel place that's <clears throat> that's where that festival was at and um okay i mean clutch headlined it so uh, you know, okay. clutch pretty much pulled that place yeah i can imagine <clears throat> yeah so uh, next up we got uh we got Tavis from Pittsburgh calling in again. How's it going, gentlemen? This is Tavis from Pittsburgh. Just calling you back. Uh, Happy New Year to uh, you all and uh, to all the listeners out there. I've got a couple uh, recommendations that I heard you guys talk about. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen Showdown at the Grand yet. Not a horror movie. Maybe a little horror adjacent. Um, it was really cool. Good time. Uh, Dolph Lundgren, totally awesome in it. It kind of reminded me of... Uh, you know, like Matinee, the John Goodman movie from, like, the 90s meets, like, the Grindhouse trailers, sort of. Um, it's good stuff. I recommend it. And then I know you guys talk about being fans of uh, Annie's Main, and I don't know if you um, watched Mark Jenkins' previous movie, Bait. Um, that was pretty cool, too. You know, different subject matter. Uh, but uh, looks awesome, you know, shot kind of similar style, but in black and white. Um Definitely worth a watch. And then uh went back to 1960, a movie called The Hypnotic Guy about, like, a stage hypnotist that um, – it's kind of like a pre-Wizard of Gore almost, that, like, these people that go to see him, uh, after, like, he's watching his act, they, like, pretty gnarly kills for 1960, like, stick their head in the oven and stuff like that. Um, worth a watch. Then, oh, hey, Mike, I just uh, also picked up tickets to see you guys. 
and uh, Pro Fanatica and Nuns Water here on February 27th, man. So I'll uh, stop by and say hello. Take care, guys. Have a good one. Good hearing from you again, Tavis. Um, I have not seen Showdown at the Grand. And it looks like we're getting a lot of Dolph Lundgren uh, love on this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird. Um, I, I've seen Showdown a little. Tokyo is not with Dolph Lundgren and uh, Brandon Lee, also, you know, from The Crow. Yes. Um, yeah, that's what I was thought he yeah. was talking about. So I guess there's another Showdown movie with Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been wanting to. I've been meaning to see uh, Mark Jenkins's film, uh, the you know Bait. I haven't seen it yet though. And I, but yeah, any 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 Smain was great. Um, I own a Blu-ray copy of that. I watched it a couple times, and um, just interesting guy. I'm looking forward to seeing more by him. And um, and the the Hypnotic Eye. I've not even heard of that film. Is that no. something you're, you're familiar with, Joe? No, no, I, I don't know that one. That's what's great about these calls is they're always, there's always a handful of like, hmm, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, dude, looking forward to seeing you, man. Definitely stop by. Um, you know, glad that you purchased the ticket. You know, it seems like the tour is uh, selling pretty well. So um, it's, it's been a minute since I've been to Pittsburgh too. So um, mm -hmm. definitely, definitely swing by. I'll Obviously I'll be there. <laughs> you know, we'll, uh, get a cup of coffee or something like that, you know? Awesome. And that brings us to uh, this week's feature. Uh, a movie that I feel like you and I have been talking about doing this one. Forever now. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, we're talking about The Gift, written and directed by Joel Egerton. And, the great uh, we're, Joel we're Egerton. Kinda, kinda, yeah, we're interesting guy, man. Like, Australian actor and writer and director, apparently. Um. Well, immediately what comes to mind is The Stranger, a film that you and I both really like that yes. also features uh, Sean Harris, one of the incredible Sean Harris. Yeah, and, that uh, movie was recommended to me by an actor, uh, and I can see why it's a very actorly movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, as well as this film is. As well as this film, yes. Yeah. Um, Egerton also is in uh, the Animal Kingdom, the the uh, original Australian uh, film, which was uh, serialized. There was a, a, a series called The Animal Kingdom that came out a few years ago. Mm -hmm. I yeah, I never saw the show. See that? No, pretty good. It was different, yeah. very different. Ellen Barkin's in it. Yeah. Oh, she plays the the mom role, right? It's the, it's a different thing it's not like it's based on the movie but not in the same world as the movie is that correct no nah, yeah it's like the spirit of that film transported to southern california with like surfer bros you know <laughs> you know what i love about the film is joel edgerton's in the movie for what, 10 minutes maybe but like his character yeah. looms over the entire film yeah yeah totally yeah really so well written movie yeah yeah, and uh, Edgerton, and go ahead. Edgerton was also in Zero Dark Thirty and Black Mass. Mm -hmm. Those are some other notable films. Yeah, he seems to like to play in that morally, like sort of on the the dark side of morality. Like he seems to excel at those kind of films. I also wanted to point out. I think he was him and his brother were involved in the production of a film called The Square, an Australian, not The Square that came out like a couple years ago, but. 
Australian film from like, you know, 2008 or nine. I don't know if you've seen that. No, I haven't. I've never even watched uh, it. Dude, you need to watch that movie. It is absolutely fantastic. Modern day noir written by the, uh, I believe maybe his brother directed it or, co- or co-wrote it. I know he was involved in the production of it. Uh, he might even have a smaller role in it. It, it is um, one of my favorite Australian crime movies. It's amazing. I can't say enough great things about it. The Square. That's a subgenre in and all in and of itself, man. It's like Australian <laughs> like scumbag movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's almost like you know, like like a Boston crime movie. Like they they all have this sort of vibe to them. Australia crime films are, are are the same way, where it's like, man, you know, you're gonna get into some heavy shit <laughs> with whatever you watch. Our, our mutual friend Selden Hunt, an Australian, mm. has yeah. uh, definitely uh, corroborated the intensity of uh, Australian thugs. So, um, you know, a lot of these movies are uh, kind of hit hit close to home for him based on what he's told me. Yeah, yeah. He turned me on to a great one called The Boys. Uh, Australia with um, uh, the actress from uh, Hereditary. What's her name? I don't know. Um she's in it in one of her first roles it's uh it's really really good uh if you've talked to selden which i know you know you talked to him about she's probably brought this movie up before yeah yeah definitely he's he's recommended tons of stuff movies and books alike so yeah he's yeah. Like a really good resource for that kind of stuff yeah yeah i love that guy man yeah so uh this movie was released august 7th 2015 in the u.s august 27th 2016 in australia and it's 108 minutes long a bit on the long side a bit the uh cast let's i'm just going to name the top three people in this movie yeah yeah is just just about the interaction of these three people of course we we have uh joel edgerton as gordo we have uh, Rebecca Hall as Robin. We might remember her from The Night House, which came out a few years ago. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, uh, Jason Bateman as Simon. And we know him from Ozark, Arrested Development, and uh, The Outsider, um, HBO, Stephen King adaption series. Yes, yeah. Well, a couple of those things hadn't uh, existed at the time this movie came out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um. So, man, what's... what? what's the where to start with this movie man it's um one of these movies that leans heavily on acting actors performances writing and atmosphere yeah and um it tell yeah it tells a story of a married couple simon and robin who um you know they they move from chicago and uh they don't you don't well, pretty much immediately, you get the vibe that there was a miscarriage, you know, by Rob, and she lost the baby, and uh, yeah. they moved to uh, someplace outside of L.A. where Simon takes yeah. a new job, and again, they're hard at work trying to uh, conceive a child. Now that that's like the thing, the elements of the film is like being able to have a baby, and work like success and what it takes right. to succeed and like, all the character flaws and all that sort of stuff that's inherent in all those things so that's that's an exploration of that i think in a lot of ways 
Oh, definitely. And I love that this film doesn't really hit you over the head with any of its themes. Like you're never like going, oh, that's going to come up later. That's going to come up later. Everything just sort of comes about in like hints and just body language and atmosphere. Like you said, like the way the film's made, there's a lot of like, oh, it's a, it's a very cold feeling movie. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. There feels like a coldness even just between uh, Robin and Simon. You know, yeah, I thought so too. Distant. Yeah, yeah, they seem very distant. Um, and also, there's like a, a you slowly get to see the character of each of the characters. You know, not to yeah, like, yeah, the, absolutely, the kind of people they are. Yeah, like um, every, yeah, things start off in one place and they evolve into a different picture, which I think is one of the very excellent points in this film. Yeah. So they like, run into Gordo. Yeah. <laughs> where did where do they run into him? Like at at like a, where, I forgot where they ran into. It's, Gordo. It looks like they're at like a like a furniture like Bath and Body Works or something like that because you know I think they bought like a couch and they need it delivered, and I love the way this the scene is shot. You see them come into the building and you see right away Joel Edgerton come into frame as as Gordo like he's he's there like. It's such a, a chance moment. You can see by the stunned look on his face as he's watching them through the window. It takes the audience a bit of, uh, of time to notice that they're being watched. But, it, you know, if you've seen the film a few times, you notice he's in the frame almost the entire time. Yeah, so and, yeah, he's like, like uh, an old classmate of Simon's. Like they have like a past. So like, you know. It's kind of one one of those devices in a film that's kind of, I mean, I guess stuff like this happens to people sometimes. You just unexpectedly run into someone and things happen. I guess you know. Yeah, and their their meeting is a little awkward. Like you can just tell like the look on Gordo's face. I can't believe he's seeing Simon, and when he says something, Simon doesn't remember him at all. And I love the little hints of their characters you get from these little interactions, like. You almost feel right away something is kind of you know off about Simon that, and Gordo's a little awkward like um, like like Gordon's uh, Gordo's appearance uh, you know he's probably you know those, this is probably people in their late thirties I would imagine at this point yeah. yeah and he's you know he's got like an earring in his left ear and his hair is kind of funny like maybe he dyes it or something. Um, and his clothes fit a little awkwardly, whereas Simon is really, really put together, really sharp clothes are, are fitted, nice haircut. Like, um, you kind of, you know, like just little, little things like that, like tell, tell you about the character dynamics in this film. Like something's just a little bit off with Gordon and maybe he's never quite developed. Like he's doing, he's dressed like he thinks a cool guy would dress and that, that's, you know, it, and it's completely off. Also, what I found interesting too is like uh, Joel Edgerton is kind of like a, like a very physically like the man Joel Edgerton is like a physically capable looking guy. You know what I mean? Like oh. when you see him in some of these other roles, like in these like kind of um, you know uh, these Australian tough guy movies, he looks like the kind of guy who could take care of himself. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Gordo, Gordo, he's like playing down, like he's. Like, if you put Edgerton and Bateman next to each other and, like, which mm -hmm. guy's going to kick the other guy's ass, I'd definitely <laughs> go with Edgerton. 
Oh yeah. And that's, that's a really interesting point. I haven't thought of that. Yeah. Like in real life, he's the opposing figure, but in this, he's very just, yeah, meek and just, he feels like, like small, like he's constantly like scrunched up or something, you know? Yeah. He's diminished. Like he has this, uh, this energy about him that indicates that he's somewhat diminished that life has, you can almost see like the weight on his shoulders you know what I mean? Because you mentioned that he was like kind of hunched over and scrunched down and you can see that maybe he'd been carrying a lot over the course of his lifetime. And, you know, of course we learned that he has, you know, a couple of things yeah. actually. We also learned that he was in the military and all this other stuff too, you know? Yeah. I wasn't red flag yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't sure whether I, I mean, the, the, the military thing came up once. I'm not even sure if that was completely true because the, the more you learn about, Gordo, the more you really question his character throughout the entire film. And uh, whereas Simon, the more you learn about him, the more it sort of confirms your suspicion about him. You know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of a lot of Gordo's background is fabricated. And now, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I might be leaning towards that being a fabrication as well, his military service, because everyone that I've ever met that's been in the military is quick to point out which branch that they're in. Mm. I'm in fucking Marines. Fuck yeah, you know, or like you know, hoorah, you know, I was in the army. I was in this. I was in that. Gordo right. was like, I was in the military in this like very general sense, you know. Yeah. Well, you know what? That reminds me. What there's a research scene, and I think he was in the military, but was dishonorably discharged like pretty quickly. All right. Yeah. I okay. think I kind of remember yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I just corrected myself. <laughs> there you go. We just corrected um, each other on this. Yeah. yeah. But still, that, that's the kind of person this this character is. Like, you're not really quite sure what's real, what's not uh, with him. You're not really sure um, if your sympathies lie with him through some of the movie. I think by the end, they, they, there's no way your sympathies lie with him. But um, yeah. But still, like, I mean, just like the, the this movie, like, it moves along at such a great pace. And I love that this is sort of like a, a thriller of a nuisance, a person that's trying to infect this couple's life. And it doesn't really hit, like, the horror tropes that these movies kind of hit. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't seem like Joel Edgerton was interested in making that movie. Like, in a lesser movie, the dog, you know, they find their dog's head in a mailbox or, like, the neighbor gets murdered. Uh, it, it's much yeah, more yeah. psychological and smart than than that. I agree. I agree completely. Yeah. And uh, and really, you know, since we're saying like we don't know who <clears throat> who we sympathize with, and the, the the answer to that question is ultimately maybe just the wife, maybe just Robin. Oh, absolutely. I think she's the real victim of of all of this. She's just this pawn. Uh, in, in in between these two guys, you know what I mean, and I you really feel for her. You kind of see the film is kind of told from her perspective, and and yeah. you you sort of like sympathize with her, and like she's almost like an audience like surrogate. You know what I mean? One one of the uh, first hints that we get that um, Simon's a douchebag is his friends, <laughs> like his coworkers. Oh yeah, he's like really. He works for like I wasn't quite. He said what he did, but he he sells like security for yeah yeah, and he's really impressed by like these billionaires he works for and really wants to move up in the company. Um, 
There's also very subtle hints about him being a douchebag, like, you know, when he meets, re-meets Gordo and and he's very dismissive and Gordon sends him a really expensive bottle of wine and doesn't, you know, Simon doesn't think to thank him or anything like that. Yeah, you know, like the creepiness he, of Gordo. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Of Gordo gets uh, gets a, dis, you know, displayed on just all of his like inappropriate uh, showing up at their house and you know putting koi fish in their koi pond and things like that. Yeah, like he's trying to be like helpful, but it's a little, um, and you know, it, I kind of do get Simon at the beginning. He's like, "Don't you think this is weird?" And uh, the wife doesn't seem Robin doesn't seem to think it's weird. Uh, and again, I think that that hints to this divide between Robin and Simon, the married couple, that it's never like said, but you just get a sense that Robin is really unsatisfied in life. There's little hints of it everywhere. You know, they, they kind of hint that maybe she had a problem with pills at, at, at right. one point. Yes, and uh, eventually they do talk about that, but I like how it's hinted at early on in the film and, and she's home alone uh, while, while Simon uh, is at work. There's just, there's something there. Like, I think Robin has always felt a little off about her husband. Like, there's something off about her husband, but she can't quite figure it out. And along comes yeah, this exactly. guy from her childhood, from, from Simon's uh, childhood. And she's very interested in him immediately and kind of always takes his side. Like, oh, he's not weird. He's not this. He's not that. And I think it's because she sees him as some sort of like she can answer those questions she has about her husband. That, exactly, that Gordon yeah, can. I think that's yeah. you're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's a scene where they're, uh, you know, out with his douchebag friends and everyone's talking about their careers and all this stuff. And uh, when it comes up to Robin, uh, he's like, Oh, she's a, you know, she's a consultant and she's designed our house and all this stuff. So, you know, it's like she has uh, maybe her career was put on hold when they got married or something, or maybe when they had when she could, when first was pregnant, maybe she took some time off from work or something. You know, what I'm trying to say, and like, yeah, so she's like some sort of like arch architect or like interior designer or something along that that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. But right now she's just sort of I don't know, trying to like you know she's taking care of the house, she's jogging every day. She's not exactly working, you know. And uh, I feel like there's like a, a, a resentment there towards towards her husband. It's it's very subtle, but it's there. Yeah. And we, you know, we learn a lot more too. Like the, 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 there's a dinner scene where Gordon sort of uh, invites himself to dinner at uh, at the house, and uh, Gordon kind of spells out the whole point of the movie when he's he's a little drunk, and he goes, "Sometimes the bad things that can happen to you can be a gift." And uh, that's sort of what's like what, what Gordon is doing throughout this movie. He thinks he's giving Jason Bateman the ultimate gift of like, I'm going to fucking ruin your life <laughs> and you're going to appreciate shit now. That's pretty much the whole, the whole, uh, you know, point of this film is to like, in some ways, and, and this is kind of like, um, you know, this, this, this is like revealed later on that, Simon's life is based on lies and misdeeds and even his position at this new company is, is based on deceptions, you know? And yeah. He's only showing like the best, very best 
completely edited version of his life to Robin. And Robin really doesn't even know who the hell he is, you know? Right. And I think she, again, subconsciously knows that, but she, she can't put her finger on it. And uh, yeah, you really learn, like, even in the beginning of the movie, like you might be able to relate to like what si- like Simon is saying, like, oh, this guy's weird. Uh, we, we weren't really friends and he keeps showing up. But you never like Simon. At least I didn't. I never liked him. I never sympathized with him. I always thought he was kind of a jerk and there was something off. And the more you reveal, like uh, they reveal about him, the more you're like, yes, you're right to feel that way. Yeah, I never, and, Simon, right off the bat, I, I didn't like him, you know what I mean, as a, as a guy, you know, and then, but even uh, Gordo was like, he's the kind of dude who's like, but you know, you, you probably run into people like that, that try to like force their way into your life somehow, you know, like, oh, sure, like, not sure. even like, yeah, like other bizarre male, you know, friends or people that are just like, they want to know you more, they want to be in your life somehow. And with Gordo, there was like, there was a, a, a objective to that but right away immediately like in the beginning you're just like what's this guy what's this he's suffocating he's very he wants to be involved and maybe he's got this thing for for his wife like that kind of thing you know right right and uh you know it kind of reaches a point where he invites them over for dinner and it's one of the more awkward uncomfortable scenes in the movie dude that was 100 percent like one of the most uncomfortable parts of the movie is when they show up at this house you know which isn't even his house (laughs) yeah but they don't know that and they're like what the fuck you know you almost get a sense of jealousy from simon that that this house they go to thinking it's gordon's is nicer than theirs you know it's like some patrick bateman american psycho shit (laughs) yeah yeah totally and um you know, the way he framed it up originally is that was going to be like a date, you know, like a couple's date, you know, or like a double date. Where he oh, no, 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 no. And... He framed it as a dinner party. There'd be other couples there. Other people there. Yeah, right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, like a dinner yeah. party. And then it turns out just being the three of them, which right away, <laughs> I just would have left. You know what I mean? I mean well, yeah, this yeah. This motherfucker is going to like, he's going to like poison us or some shit, you know, we're going to wake up missing, you know, internal organs or something. You know what I mean? So Yeah. And then he leaves them there. Yeah, like a vibe. Yeah. yeah, he gets a mysterious phone call and then has to bail. <laughs> yeah, which really, like, you know, like, the more you, like, again, like, dude, like, that was just all for show. You know, that wasn't, you know, there was no phone call or anything. And he kind of admits to, you know, you caught me in a lie. Uh, this isn't my house. This is my wife's house. Uh, the, it's my, you know, I have kids. My wife's leaving me. And uh, it's a pretty you think a very revealing moment about Gordo, but even that turns out to be a lie. And that's where Simon is like, dude, you're creeping me out. Stay away from me. Stay away from my wife. And uh, there's that great sinister scene scene where they're trying to leave and he won't open the gate, (laughs) you know, but, uh, but you find out all of that was even a lie. Like, so who is Gordon? That's not his house. That's not his ex-wife's house. He doesn't have a wife or kids. You know what I mean? Like you feel a little bit of one way about Gordon in the beginning of the film and it completely changes by the end. Yeah. Cause now, now you're really thinking that this dude is like some sort of like, like killer or something or murderer, or he's going to do some really sketchy shit, you know? Right. I'm not exactly. sure what his motivations are. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was even wondering, um, 
like, is this really was all about a chance meeting at a, at a, at a furniture store? You know, it's so crazy. And I think it is, I think Gordon was just going about his day and runs into him and uh, runs into Simon and hatches this sort of plan, almost like, wow, here you are. Like I can finally fucking get, get revenge on you. You know, I don't think he's been planning you know, this his know, whole life. Really? Okay. Cause I, I kind of go back and forth on that. Part of me thinks that he stalked him a little bit and followed him. But then again, how would he even know where he, he just moved to LA? So how, yeah. So maybe, I don't know. I go, I go back and forth on it. You know what I mean? Like, was this premeditated or was it just a chance meeting? And then it triggered him in, down this path. I kind of like yeah. the idea of it being a chance meeting actually. Yeah. I think it is. And it, it's funny like, like that, like Gordon is supposed to be the villain, but it seems to me that Simon is really the sociopath of the three and Gordon, I, I I, I don't know what he is. Like, he's not pure evil or like some sort of mastermind or anything. He's just a guy who saw an opportunity and took it, you know, because he had nothing else yet to lose, apparently, you know, and that makes him creepier to me. I think that for sure Simon's the villain and he's like the sociopath. Clearly, he's a sociopath because we, we're going to we're getting to the point where we're going to reveal like what actually happened in their lives. And right. Gordo is is like uh this kind of collateral damage in Simon's completely self-centered voyage through life, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh this psychotic voyage through life where he steps all over people and suffers little or no consequences. And this time around, this collateral damage has come back around for some kind of retribution against him. It's finally time time for Simon to pay the piper here, you know, and settle his, his score with the universe, you know? Right. And this is something Simon hasn't thought about because, like, when he sees Gordon, he just doesn't even know who he is and then doesn't bring up, oh, yeah, this thing happened between us. He's just like, oh, yeah, whatever, Gordon from high school. But Gordo's been thinking about this his whole life. Yeah, and it talks. It speaks to how sometimes, like, you know, bullying and like frivolous acts and things that someone with a bullying mentality might consider as like, oh, this is a funny joke I'm going to play on this guy, or it's a minor thing, no one really cares. But that completely molds the way someone is for their entire life. You know, it's like that that one nudge that the other person puts no no significance on is like the defining thing for someone else, you know? Yes. That's like such an interesting, interesting point, you know, an interesting concept in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that Robin is like kind of asking for like help from like the neighbors and, uh, you know, they're all worried about like Gordo, but like <laughs> she really, as you turn out, should be worried about her husband. Like she, at one point she starts looking into her husband, like playing a little detective, which I really liked, you know? Like, she's going to get to the bottom of this and finds out she doesn't really know her husband at all. And, like, he does have a sinister uh, link to Gordo. And, you know, she still feels sympathetic towards him. She finds out about what happened. So, so, yeah, by the way, spoilers for the movie. Um, we find out that Simon spread a terrible rumor about Gordon that ruined his life. Yeah. 
even even to the point where his parents found out his father like you know like beat him and you know harmed him yeah and, and got arrested and, for beating him yeah i got arrested for beating him and and it's like uh it, it you know it, 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 have you ever seen your friends and neighbors uh i believe i have movie? yes yeah with jason patrick and ben stiller yeah jason oh, patrick's yeah, yeah, yeah. character is very similar to uh justin bateman's ca- character in this where they're just total sociopaths and yeah Jason Jason Patrick, there's like this super uncomfortable scene where they're they're basically they're in a, they're in a, uh, a steam room and he's talking about the best sex he ever had and he describes a scene where they like gang raped like some young kid <laughs> and Jeez. they're like and he just blew it off as like this frivolous oh yeah that was the best you know I ever had right well you know he never he never came back he never told anyone and you know oh by the way he actually never came back to school we never saw him again you know and then he just blew it off. <laughs> And it's like right the guy the kid the guy the kid probably like who knows what happened to him you know and that's kind of like gordo is like sort of that guy i mean they don't he doesn't get raped but like there's a um well yeah this devastating thing happens to him and alters his life completely because he becomes this like pariah in a lot of ways yeah exactly and uh like i think simon spread a rumor that he saw gordo getting molested in a car and I think it sort of just became like a game of telephone, you know, whatever. Like, oh, they, it turned out, oh, yeah. Gordon's, Gordo's gay. And, you know, his father's some horrible homophobe who thinks having a gay son is the worst thing ever and beats him. Of course, none of this is shown. It's all just, you know, we, we find out about it. And, yeah, this little incident that that Simon is doesn't even think of as a big deal as anything, you know, it has just completely ravished this guy his whole life. And Simon just feels nothing, you know, nothing at all. And Robin is rightfully, you know, very disturbed by all this. And there's a scene where he goes to find Gordo to apologize to him. (laughs) And he's like, Gordo's like, he's doing like a, what the hell? Trivia or something. Like a a top hat and stuff. And he's doing like, like a, he's like, something that usually like aspiring comedians do they do like a trivia night at a bar on like a wednesday night or something like that yeah you get the idea that doing life is not good yeah not even like doing it well like you can tell he's like (laughs) super awkward not funny you know yeah absolutely uh, absolutely (laughs) and simon catches up to him in the park parking garage and is like tries to apologize to him then ends up beating him up (laughs) Yeah, he ends up beating him up for like, and like while he's beating him up, is like, accept my apology. You know, you really see like what a fucking psycho this guy is. And then tells his wife, yeah, it went well. <laughs> it went well. How'd it go with Gordo? Oh, it went well, you know. But you know what's also interesting yeah. to me is Gordo is not really the undoing of Simon's life. Simon is the undoing of his own life. Like, Gordon. Gordo kind of sent, like, he, he accomplished, he pitted his wife against her husband. But his one of his undoings is, like, he's up for this promotion. It's between yes. him and another guy. And he, I, I'm not sure what he did to the other guy, but he fucked him in a way that he wasn't going to get, you know, he made sure that that guy wasn't going to get the promotion. 
he fabricated this story about something that happened at one, with one of his previous employers. Ah, okay. And basically right. ruined this guy's chances of getting the promotion. I, I think the guy actually got fired too or something like that. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, he did because he shows up uh, at um, – at Simon's house and smashes his window like in front of his you know wife and boss and family but you know everyone gets to see who Simon really is because of Simon's doing really like that was like one of his big undoings like he Simon ends up losing his job over this stuff like his life by the end is completely fallen apart yeah and then there's the um the kind of climax of the film which is like more of um Earlier in the film, there's a scene where Robin is taking. Uh, it, it's it's hard to it's hard to like determine whether or not she had over, taken more drugs than required, or if I don't know Gordon Gordo actually slipped something in, in her, into her Gatorade or something like that. Right, but you met, uh, yeah, but the audience but is meant to wonder. Like, oh, even, did she OD? Yeah, it's like kind of like dubious whether or not because she was taking some kind of pills, but then she all then there also well, was. Yeah, what, what were you gonna say? Yeah, no, she's sneaking pills like, <laughs> like yeah, she goes over to her, over her neighbors for a glass of wine. Yeah, going through like their medicine cabinet, and after she collapses, her husband confronts her and finds her like pill stash, and he's like, "I thought we were yeah. done with this." Um, and then come to find out it was, you know, Gordon had, had Gordy had, had drugged her. Because one of the good things this movie does is, is Robin's home alone a lot. And it, she feels the sense that she might be being watched, that there's someone in the house. And, um, you know, it, it turns out she was right. But, you know, it doesn't overplay that hand. You know, it's, it's very like, oh, did I leave the faucet on or did someone come in and turn it on, you know? And uh, and that's not answered until the end. Till uh, you see Gordo's plan. So, which leaves like the big question: What do you think Gordo really did? Like it's because it's left a little ambiguous, right? Because it turns out that uh, she's pregnant. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, discover she's pregnant. that she's pregnant, and then. And there's a little bit of a time slip in the film where she's about to have the baby and then all this stuff happens. And then um, Simon is, this package shows up for him and it has like videos of Gordon um, like lurking with Robin while she's passed out with a, and he's wearing a mask. And there's an implication that he had sex with her and possibly could be have impregnated her right right but once again totally not confirmed like there isn't like a scene or footage of him actually having sex with her it's all implied right exactly you know, so, and so yeah you see gordon's demeanor change when he calls simon and now he's got the upper hand and you see just like how sinister this guy is and he goes i didn't touch her or did i and yeah, exactly. at this point, Simon's life has completely been destroyed and Gordo has given him his gift. You know, I have destroyed you. And what are you going to do now? You know, will this be a good thing for you or a bad thing? Um, but I watched this with my girlfriend and we talked uh, afterwards. Do you think 
Gordo is the father, or do you think he's just fucking with them? Because I was, yeah. Reasons. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say first? No, I'd like to hear your thought first, actually. There's a lot of reasons to believe that he could be the father. He is the father because they, well, let's, no, I, let me, let me rephrase that. When she was pregnant, she had a miscarriage. It wasn't that um, Simon shooting blanks or anything like that. You know what I mean? Right. So he did get her pregnant at one point. Right. So now, do I believe? All right. I'm going to, my statement is that Gordo is not the father. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, based on his character, based on the things that happened to him in his life, I don't see him raping her. Yeah, I, I kind of felt the same way. Like, like the whole meeting of him running into Simon is by chance. And just like her getting pregnant, he, you know, it's, you know, okay, oh, I can use this. I can use this as an opportunity to make them think that I'm the father. Uh, he seems like the kind of guy, he's not like a mastermind, you know, who hatches this plan. He's just sort of like improvising and, and making things up as he goes along. And finding out Robin was pregnant, I think, yeah, he he's gonna like use that uh, against them. I I kind I kind of tend to agree with you that as sick as what he did was, I don't see him as a, a rapist. I don't know. I think he it's terrible that Robin is a collateral damage in, in this war between these two guys, and. You know, I think Gordon probably sees himself as a good guy who wouldn't do something like that, even though Gordon is not a good guy <laughs> at, at all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, There's so, also yeah. a little bit of thinking, like, so then what was his motivations for making the film, too? You know, like, the, she was pregnant after that. Like, they discovered her being pregnant later. That's, so when yeah. he creeped up into her house and drugged her, because, like, you know that there was, like, um, I mean, there's you can even float that in another direction because he you know he was attracted to her for for sure right oh for sure there's a sense yeah. that you get that he's definitely into her right yeah and you know that that made he definitely knows it made simon uncomfortable so just to, to be a creep he did he might have done those things to go and drugged her lurked you know had a mask on like put her in this compromised position um right you know a monkey like, mask too which footage. is yeah, yeah. Had exactly. that footage yeah. and just utilized it when the, when the opportunity came. You know, that's what I was thinking too. Because I was like, well, he at first I thought he must have done it because otherwise, exactly, what was the motivation of making that film? He must have done it. But this, if you think about it a little bit, yeah, it might just have been you know he he used this uh, opportunity to 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 really drive a nail in with these guys. You know. Um, but either way, at the end, you're no. I don't think you're supposed to feel sympathy towards Gordo at all. I think you're really supposed to no. be horrified and disturbed. <laughs> and and uh, I was, uh, you know, Gordon reveals to not be as as meek as you thought he was at the beginning. But um, did he rape her, man? I just, you know, I know I don't know. I really, really don't know. And that's part of like the. Um, what makes this movie so interesting? You just really, you know, a lot of it is ambiguous. Like, who is Simon after this whole experience? He's lost his job. He's lost his wife. What is he going to do now? Uh, personally, I think he'll continue to be 
a fucking bastard. You know, he'll land somewhere else. You know, he'll just keep doing the same shit over and over again. I don't know if uh, Gordo's gift to him really, really worked. But that's just what I think. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, I'm, I'm on board with that too. It's interesting. Yeah, another thing I wanted to point out was the monkey mask. Like uh, Gordo finds out Simon has a phobia of monkeys. So when monkeys start appearing and like you know, the little notes he sends them and the fact that he's wearing a monkey mask, you know, it's little, so again, like using like circumstances, like to, 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 to really, to really get at this guy. Yeah, definitely, man. And uh, yeah, he's um very interesting movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And especially this being Joel Edgerton's directorial debut. Um, coming out of the gate strong. Yeah, very talented guy, man. I know he's directed another film, which I haven't seen, but he's just the kind of guy that, like, I'm just, I'm interested. If he's in it, I'll see it. Because he seems to choose interesting stuff to do. Um, You know, maybe there's a little bit of one for me, one for you kind of thing. You see him pop up in more, like, kind of mainstream films. He just did a George Clooney film. Uh, He was in a couple, like, you know, Ridley Scott, big epics uh, films. but it's these smaller projects that, that he picks or he gets involved with that that's that's really interesting uh to me anyway. Like I said, the square, um, um this there's another Australian filming, it's called Accolades, Accolades or something like that, where he plays like a serial killer. Uh really interesting okay. actor and filmmaker. And also I want to point out he was the best part of Black Mask. Like uh Black Mass, I mean, uh as like the crooked FBI agent. He's really good at this sort of sort of stuff. And you can just tell from the script where his interests sort of lie in the darker side of the human psyche. Yeah, man. Him, you know, him and Sean Harris together in in uh in the stranger world was like perfect, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That's that was one of my favorite films of uh 2022. And yeah, I urge anyone listening to to, to go out and watch that. But what would you give the gift on our uh, Necromaniacs rating scale? I give it a 4.5 out of 5, definitely. I also give it a 4.5 out of 5. Um, really, really great movie. Doesn't fall into the normal horror tropes that he doesn't necessarily play out the way you think it's going to, but... The movie is something you turn over in your head after you've seen it for a while. It stays with you, and that's the sign of a really, really good movie. You know, it's funny about this grading thing. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, Tina and I watched a lot of these movies together, and you know, sometimes we try to grade them when we, after we watch them. Yeah, she's uh, gotten granular to the point where she gives uh, quarter points. <laughs> really oh man she should write for pitchfork yeah. then <laughs> she'll, she'll be like oh this is like a 2.75 and i'm like okay. uh, <laughs> kind of funny i uh that's interesting man yeah for me three and up is a recommendation two and a half and below is not you know two and a half is like hey it was almost there three it's like yeah it wasn't great but it's worth a watch you know that's sort of where where i start things and uh yeah, pretty much. You know, I'm pretty much on the yeah, same page. This kind of a ma- this movie's a masterclass in in, in, in acting and just for a first time director, man, he really 
knocked it out of the park. Just everything about it, even the opening scene in the empty house, I just feel really sets the tone for for Simon and Robin's relationship. Just everything, like it's just a smart, interesting film, man. Um, I, I, you know, it just came out in 2015, and uh, I saw it back then, and it stayed with me. I mean, I, I, I don't know how big this movie got, but I feel like it's something people should definitely seek out. People should definitely see this. Yeah, definitely. That, that's a, a full-throated uh, recommendation on this movie. Yeah, so, absolutely, people. Please go out and watch this. There's another film called The Gift directed by Sam Raimi. Don't get these two confused. Right, exactly. All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Take care, everyone. All right. All right, Mike. All right, uh, I got to run. All right, dude. Have a good one. All right. Yeah, you too.